Hello and welcome to the Securing Thought Podcast. This is Hayden Bulwark and this is episode number two. It's nice to have a bit of plurality here and to not just be a one-off castaway into history. So just some administrative issues first. Not really issues, but good news actually. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So be sure to check it out on these platforms if that's where you stream them. Uh, It should be on Google Play soon. I'm not sure if anyone actually uses that, but it'll hopefully be there. Also, I just wanted to say thank you for all the support I received on the first podcast. I was surprised by the amount of downloads that there were, and I'm especially thankful for all those who reached out and gave me some feedback and encouragement to continue this. So, before I get into today's agenda, I thought I'd cover some of the news stories just briefly as sort of a time capsule for this podcast and because well they're both interesting and tragic really uh the first one is that the coronavirus has now reached toronto as of last night so we have one presumptive case in canada and likely to be more uh it's truly astounding to see the speed and growth of viruses and diseases how quickly they can spread so this will be something that of course i think we're going to all be looking out for a little bit uh hopefully no real cause for concern but definitely alarming and a little bit scary and the second thing that i've come across today of course which is everywhere is the death of kobe bryant and really is a shock i myself i'd be lying if i was saying i'm a big basketball fan but this is really quite upsetting uh seeing not only a basketball player or an athlete die but looking you know through his instagram and seeing pictures of his family and a father of four beautiful children a husband to a beautiful wife and of course his one of his children passing in the helicopter accident with him it really puts it into perspective that we have no idea when our time is or when it will come but to just live every day with love and compassion because you don't know when you or your loved ones will pass and it just shows how fragile life is and how indiscriminate something like death is that even someone like him as successful and godlike as he always appeared on the basketball court he too is susceptible to death so definitely something really sad and tragic and also sad of the seven others besides him and his daughter who also passed in the helicopter crash so transitioning now for today's agenda i will be speaking about words the power of them, and how words are in themselves a type of currency. This is a bit abstract, but it's an analogy that I've been thinking about for some time. However, before this, I just want to take a step back and address some of the negative ways we communicate on the internet. So, another event this weekend. On Friday night, there was the NHL All-Star Game in St. Louis, where for the first time women played a 3-on-3 game at the event. And it proved to be an opportunity to show a lot of people that women, too, can compete at a high level and bring excitement to the game. 
Of course, this was met with some criticism by some men out there, mostly men. And I can't help but laugh at these men, considering the entire All-Star weekend for the NHL and by extension other professional leagues is often so stale and dull that in this case the implementation of the women's 3 and 3 game actually made it exciting. And I wanted to use this as an example of the kind of hatred spewing toxicity that we all know too well on the internet. I'm not certain of the demographic listening to this podcast, but men out there, especially those middle-aged who have children, think before you go on a tirade against complete strangers on the internet. Put yourself in their shoes. Empathize with others before you criticize. I'd be especially disappointed to know of men out there who have daughters and were criticizing women for getting on the national stage to play the game that they love and inspire the next generation of young women to join them and grow the game. Men, we all know women close to us in our lives that we want to see get the best out of life. These are our mothers and our sisters and those with daughters, them as well. So why not extend this to strangers? It's not that hard to not get angry over events that have no bearing on your security or interests. If you have so much fear of others' enjoyment, then there's something wrong with you and not them. And I use this as one example, and I know that more generally they hate on the internet. It's not sourced solely from men. So this is not an attack on fellow men. But it's an example, though, and one that shouldn't have to be made today. The point is, we should be past this sexism, just as we should be past making other derogatory comments to people online. And to broaden this idea, I also saw in the news this week anger over the Prime Minister buying donuts from a local company in Winnipeg for his staff. People were angered over this concept of why he should be spending money on this. And I'm not even a big fan of the guy, but it's donuts. And he supported a local bakery instead of a certain national chain that we all know isn't even Canadian owned anymore. This shouldn't be an issue. There's bigger battles out there than to express anger over donuts. And today should be a reminder that we're all in this game of life together. And some people, by virtue of where they're born and to which parents and nationality, will have a better go of this game. But we're all still human, and we don't all have to be friends, but we should show each other at least a little common decency and dignity. Life is too short to be angry all the time, and I'm not even saying we can't get emotional over things. We're fallible to our emotions, even if we think we control our decisions with logic. This fallibility is a well-known Nietzschean concept. Anyway, I may be preaching to the choir, but I want to offer a kind of flowchart for whether you should be offering heated reactionary speech online. So, first, does the event you're reacting to cause you direct harm or distress? And I don't mean does it make you angry, because that's a scapegoat argument. I mean, does it directly affect your ability to live? Will not speaking out on it cause direct harm to you or your family or community? If no, then this is simple. Don't be angry online. Keep your comments to yourself. It's really not complicated. And if yes, then let's consider the approaches you can take. So next question in this flowchart. Will it really cause me in those dear to me distress? If with a sober second thought you can say no, then don't comment. If yes, then think will posting about it really make me feel better? Again, this is a reflection. The more we reflect on ideas, the more our logical side takes over. Take a deep breath. Walk away from the source of your anger for a time. I bet that if you do, you will come back to the issue less angry. Also talk about these issues at the dinner table, figuratively or literally. 
sometimes our friends and loved ones agree with us because we're often like-minded individuals, but many times we're the check and balance to each other. Think of all the times you've wanted to get angry over something so mundane like someone cutting you off in traffic and your loved one saying, no, it's not worth it. This guy's a moron. Talking through ideas with people in person is so important and it can't be understated. The internet, for all its wonders, cannot replicate the power of speaking about something directly to someone. Speech is more complex than just words on a page. This exercise isn't to stifle free speech, and we can still post online and voice our opinions, but these opinions should be logical, peer-reviewed, and checked before we disseminate them. If books weren't edited and proofread, they'd be awful. No one would buy them except for comedic value, and even that would get old fast. So again, we're all in this together, remember, and we don't know when our journey will end. Sure, we all get angry from time to time, and we have passions and emotions, but don't let that interfere from the beauty in life. Make it your contribution to make life a little bit more beautiful. So enough with that. Now, the topic I was really hoping to discuss today is the currency of words. Words are currency. How we use them and what we say matters even more today because of our political climate and because of the so-called democratization of the internet, where everyday people such as myself now have a place to voice our opinions and thoughts. I wouldn't say that words have become a currency. They've always been such a thing dating back to the beginnings of discernible human speech, whereby we communicated to get what we wanted and to survive. As we've become greater political beings, <coughs> words have traded philosophy and embodied what we think of our place in the world. The printing press and the efforts of Martin Luther demonstrate a floodgate of words into a marketplace that trades ideas and thought. At that point, the translation of the Bible and the easy, cheaper dissemination of words through the printing press meant lower barriers to accessing the market. More people learned to read, a skill that many of us take for granted today, and in doing so, read more so that even if a select few published, there was a trade of words practiced by those who bought those words in the form of books and in turn processed the material and disseminated their thoughts orally and through their work. I argue today's internet embodies the further growth and trade of words, just as in Luther's time. Words are produced on massive scales, and many words never see the light of day or have short expiration dates, with some ceasing to exist as soon as they are produced. For example, many people don't have a voice, despite the growing trade, since barriers limit their access to free speech. Yet this is where the economic theory gets turned on its head. Or does it? Perhaps in looking at words as currency, we recognize that some words are higher valued currency than others. Just as money's power is most valuable to those who already have money and have a network and the tools to grow their money, words are distributed unevenly with the most network having more valuable words in the marketplace or rather better access to the marketplace. In short, just as the rich have greater access to buying stock and large quantities of it, they have greater access to disseminate their words. This, especially in today's climate, takes on greater risks, especially when words that are deemed controversial are used, since, like junk stocks, these words can destroy a person's savings. But the average person who also uses poor words can find themselves limited to their market access. So, words are not free. They have tremendous worth in today's society, but this worth is rather uneven. There is no clear solution to this, and 
I'm not sure there should be one entirely. Words have a hierarchical place in society where certain people have better access to how and where their words take them. We need this to an extent. For example, we need leadership in the public and private spheres that can, with good intentions, improve the world. However, and you can see where this is going, having bad people who abuse words and use them in selfish or greedy ways just as they may similarly use money makes this hierarchy a dangerous system that benefits only these manipulators. It is in this instance, an instance we unfortunately find ourselves in today with chronically poor leadership on many levels in many countries, that we need to ensure market access for all the lower level players in the stock market. So that even if a few of us become high rollers, we can hopefully keep our good intentions and use our words wisely with great craft and respect to improve our situation. People today say democracy is in crisis. What they mean is, in part, that our access to the word market is in crisis, where bad people have access that abuses the power of words and undermines the market. We're seeing hedge fund level access to the word market where only the most influential have access to where words matter most. We're seeing blue chip stocks of words used by former leaders in society undermined for junk stocks and subprime mortgages used by today's leaders that may bring tremendous short-term wealth in the form of power for a select few while bankrupting the rest of us in the long term. Now, I'll leave this idea here for now where you can decide how words should be traded and dealt and how we can improve this marketplace, whether through your ballot or through trying to disseminate good ideas to counter the bad ones out there. So, if you like what you hear on the Securing Thought podcast, then be sure to follow my Instagram, at Hayden Bulbrook, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, rating it will be tremendously appreciated. And please and truly note that it's going to be the support of every listener that helps grow the podcast. So, until next time, this is Hayden Bulbrook.